0: Already done one of these. Had three cups of coffee. I'm ready to go. This means I have to go to the bathroom here in a minute. So. Um Welcome you. Th- thank you so much for being here. My name is Sean. If you're new with us, um, I'm the executive pastor here and I want to welcome you. Whether you're in person or you're at home online, uh, we're just happy you're tuned in and a part of things this morning. Pastor Will's going to be back next week um, and he's going to continue in his series, Reassembly Required. Where we're looking at how we can help repair our relationships um, with those we care about. So you want to come back and be a part of it. And I apologize for the opening game if you didn't do well. I was really saying, hey, if we want our people to succeed, if we will put the signature margaritas of each restaurant, this is where these guys will thrive. I got voted out, so I tried, okay, Uh, but no. So good. I hope you guys got to get out this spring and enjoy um, the Texas wildflowers. One of the nice things about being here, my wife and I, I had to go up to Brenham on Friday for a wedding, and we got to enjoy those. And one thing I noticed as we were going along is that we love our wildflowers, but more importantly, we love our fences in Texas. I mean, we put a lot of money into fences, and they look good. I mean, don't get me wrong; we should be proud of our fences, because they, they look really nice to keep everything in, keep everything out, they, they work efficiently. And sometimes it's not on our properties. Maybe we don't own property. Maybe we live in a cul-de-sac, or maybe we live in an apartment complex, and we have gated walls around our, our, our place. That's nice, too. There's nothing wrong. Have a little extra security at night. When you go to sleep, it must feel good. Some of us go to the extreme in building walls uh, that we build. Um, I don't say it's extreme. I think it's kind of wise. They put a safe room in their homes. That way, when a Texas storm comes in, everybody just gets in there, huddles in nicely. That all feels kind of good in there. So we're big on fences and walls. But when does a fence and a wall become a frustration? And you know what I mean if you own land. When you go from one pasture to another and you're by yourself, you got to stop the car. You got to stop the vehicle. You got to get out. You got to open up the gate. You got to go back to the vehicle. You got to drive through the gate. You have to then close the gate and make sure the gate is securely closed before you can move on. I know for me, one of the greatest fences barriers is a little curtain between first class and coach when I get onto a plane. (laughs) Huge frustration for me. You can guess which where I'm sitting. Okay, but. You know, we have a lot of things. You know, one of the biggest things we have, a lot of fences around, is our heart. We have an emotional fences that we build around our heart. If they're And they're for protection. And, and they're really good at times. I've listed a couple uh, of these. Well, there's lots of them. Um, you th- can think of it. There's emotional. I just got three of them up here. We got a wall of ego. We got a wall of hostility. And we got a wall of superficial. Now then, the wall of ego is, is really a good one. The wall of of egos protects uh, protects us from our imperfections to focus on our entitlement. And what do I mean by that? If you've ever been sitting in first class and you thought, don't look at me when you're walking by, I worked hard for where I'm sitting. If you worked hard, then maybe you could sit here. If you got off your lazy tush, Don't blame me because you don't have what I have. Now, this room would never do that. (laughs) But that's what those people in first class are thinking, right? Our wall of ego protects us. Make sure. It also whispers this in our ear. Your privilege can't fulfill your need for relationships. Your privilege is all you need. Our wall of hostility... um, it's, it's a favorite of mine. Our wall of hostility says this, protects us from being controlled to focus on our freedom. Any of us who are quick to get bristly, any of us who are quick to ignore somebody in a rude manner, any of us who are willing to roll our eyes when somebody says something, any of us who leave the room but never leave the room, that's the wall of hostility. We all use it pretty well. It gets the point across. We don't have to blow up in a room for everybody to know that we're upset with somebody in the room and for them to know they're upset with, in the room. Wall of hostility whispers in our ear, you're better off alone than being controlled in your relationships. Then there's the wall of superficial. Now this is one you wouldn't really think about. But this one is, is deadly. The wall is superficial, protects us from conflict to focus on our peace. There is tension in every relationship. And that's how it grows. If a relationship doesn't have tension, then it, it doesn't really go. Think of you have to sit in a lot of meetings, people, and there's no tension, there's nothing really to talk about, there's nothing really to argue over in pursuit of something. You're thinking, this could have been handled in an email. Why are we all sitting in this room together? There has to be a level of friction in a relationship for it to grow. But this says, I don't even care enough about you for the friction. Because your friction is going to interfere on my peace. And I don't got time for you. I'll be around you. I'll be polite to you. I'll even live with you. But I no longer have energy for you. It it whispers this in our ear. Your peace is more important than your relationships. Robert Frost uh, wrote a poem called Mending Walls. And in the first line of the poem, it says, um, something there is that doesn't love a wall. He goes down as the speaker to say, um, as he goes out to mend a wall, it's a a New England style stone wall, he's going to go mend it with his neighbor. And every fall and every spring he has to do this because nature tears it down. And as he's sitting there repairing it, he asks his neighbor, like, is this even needed? Do we even really need this wall? And his neighbor comes back with the old saying, you know, good fences make for good neighbors. the speaker questions that. Really? I mean, why is that? Because it seems like nature doesn't even want this wall to be here. See something there is that does not love a wall. We have to figure out what are the things in our lives where our walls are going up, but they're getting in our way. They're causing more frustration in our relationships than maybe they're worth. And this isn't new, this has been going on since the beginning. The story of Cain and Abel we're going to look at today and you can find it in Genesis 4 verses 1 through 10. Emotional walls we see them being built very early on. And we also see that sibling rivalry was there in the beginning. So in that we find out that Adam and Eve have uh, two sons. First one born is named Cain and he becomes a farmer. And then uh, there's Abel and he becomes a rancher or a herdsman. And In the process of this, um, one day Cain um, brings in his harvest, and he brings a portion of his harvest to be sacrificed to the Lord. He gives it to the Lord to be sacrificed. Abel, his brother, does the same exact thing. He takes um, the firstborn of his his new um, flock and the best of them, and he brings them to sacrifice before the Lord. And all is fine and good until God chimes in and gives his comments on their sacrifices. This is what God says. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Now, we're not for sure exactly um, why God looked down on Cain's offering, because even in Levitical law, we'll find that there are offerings of grain offerings that happen. But I think it's really in what the text is. It just tells us that Cain brought a portion of his, what he brought into in the harvest. His brother bought the best and the first. So it seems like Cain's ego is what got in his way of his offering. You see, Cain said, I've worked hard for this. This is mine. I deserve the best of my labor. I deserve the best of my fruits. So, I'll bring you some, God, but I'm not going to bring you the best. I'm certainly not going to bring you the first because his ego had in his way. Now, here's the deal with the ego. <laughs> ego does not allow us to fail. Ego will not allow us to fail. So, instead of being mad at God, he gets mad at who? His brother. Why? Because his brother was having some success. You see, ego makes others carry our failures. You've been pulled over speeding? Not you guys. I've been, but I'll, I'll talk for us, because I know you guys follow the law, appreciate that. You get, you get pulled over speeding, you get the ticket from the nice officer, he gives it to you, he says, do you have any questions? And you're gradually saying, no officer, I have no questions. And as soon as he leaves, you're out the window and you go, I cannot believe this. Everyone's speeding and you choose me. Like, I'm the only guy that was feeding out here. I mean, really, this is how you're going to use our tax dollars. Aren't there hardened criminals out there? Somebody else you can be doing with your time? And this is ridiculous. These, these podunk little towns and their little quotas, if they can't afford to have the officers, don't have the officers. It's not my fault. Y'all said that too? That's our ego. I didn't fail. I wasn't breaking the law. You were just watching. (laughs) Our ego will not let us fail, so somebody has to carry it. And Cain was going to make his brother carry it. Cain was seeing red. And Cain, anger was boiling. And God comes to him and says, Cain, you better check yourself. You better slow down before this gets out of hand. This is what he says to him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is, this, why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. God gives him a warning. He sees what's happening. He says, Cain, don't go there. You see, Cain's ego leads him to hostility. And now he's got his ego he's dealing with, and now he's getting more upset because now he feels like he's being controlled. Whenever he feels like he's being controlled, what do we want to do? We need to get rid of whatever's trying to control us. Whatever's in the way between our happy and success, we need to get rid of it. And no, hopefully none of us will go to the extent that Cain goes to. But how many of you have let a relationship die or killed it? to make sure you weren't going to be controlled, to make sure they got out of your way so you could have success, to make sure they were no longer a problem for you. That's what hostility does. Hostility tries to remove the obstacles from our life so that we can have success. Hostility often is felt most by our closest relationships. Sad truth. Some of our greatest frustrations, some of our greatest anger, some of our greatest hostility, is pointed towards people we love. There are countless families who where the parent and the child are estranged from one another, and no one would have ever saw it coming. No one would have ever have believed that was what was going to happen. But somehow the child made a decision, and the parents couldn't live with it. And both parties got upset with each other. Both parties couldn't ignore it. Both parties couldn't let it go. So they drifted further and further apart. Neither side willing to budge. Neither side feeling like if they budge at all, they're going to be controlled by the other, and that cannot happen. Even though both parties deeply desire for reconciliation. Both parties want desperately to reunite. And hostility is keeping them. Hostility is killing the relationship. And God says, hey, you've got an opportunity to get in front of this, Cain. Don't let this happen. Get out from behind that wall of hostility. But Cain was a builder. And he built that wall even higher. And one day he invites his brother out to a field. And because of his ego and because of his hostility, he kills his brother. His brother. There weren't a lot of these going around at the time. And he kills him. And then, when God comes to him and asks him, he falls on another wall. Here's what God says. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. I'm not my brother's keeper. You see, ego and hostility drove him to kill his brother. But being superficial? allowed him to live with himself. Because in superficial, I no longer care. As long as I'm okay, I don't care about you. As long as I get what I need, it doesn't matter what you need because my peace is more important than your needs. So I can live with myself if I just stop caring. I can live with myself if I put up a wall. I can live with myself if I'm just polite and nice and do all the right things and don't really act like I'm mad, but inside I got no energy for you. Superficial kills our relationships, one fake smile, and one empty conversation at a time. Countless couples pour everything they have into their kids, and when the child leaves and moves out and goes to college, they got nothing left for their partner. They got no energy for their needs, and they don't really desire They're not getting a divorce, but they're not gonna care. The relationship goes to the shallow end of the pool. It doesn't thrive. It just slowly dies because people stop caring. That's the power of superficial. That's what that wall does. It's not harmless. We're not being polite. We've stopped caring. And when you stop caring about a relationship, it dies. You see, our relationships bring us life. When you put a walls up around a garden, you put a ceiling on it, and you close it off to where no light can get in, nothing grows inside that garden. And we do the same thing to our lives. When we build our walls up so that nothing can get in, these things that are protected, these things that were so supposedly good, when we let them build up so much that we no longer let them have deep relationships with people, we start dying. Our life stops becoming the thing it was meant to become. It stops becoming the thing we want it to be. We're protected, yes, but we're dying all the while. So how do we tear down these walls? How do we learn to live out from behind these walls? I'm gonna give you three little things to do. They're pretty simple and you're gonna say, Sean, yeah, that's really too simple. And I'm gonna say, yes, you're right. Because what I'm gonna ask you to do is really hard, but it can be this simple. The first thing you do is notice your emotional walls. Somehow when I start talking about this, you're like, I don't have any emotional walls. And the three that I'm talking about, they're not your three. So right now you're going to like, I'm good. No, you're not. You do something else. You got another wall. And anytime stress starts happening, anytime pain might come up, anytime a tough conversation has to happen, anytime you're in a situation where you don't feel comfortable, boom, that wall goes up. Do you know what that wall is? Because if you don't, how can you deal with it? If you don't know what your walls are, you cannot deal with them. So the first thing you do is just notice. Oh, when I'm in their presence... I'm a lot more short with them than I used to be. When I think I'm gonna be, I have to have a meeting with them, I try and avoid it. Oh, when I walk into that situation, I've already got my defenses up. I'm already a little ready for battle. What's your walls. Just notice them, it's the first step. The second step is this. Stop mending your emotional walls. That sounds so easy. Just stop mending your emotional walls. What does that mean? I'm gonna tell you something. We've gotten really good with our emotional walls. We know how to use them. Matter of fact, we got so good, it's like a hammer, okay? Our emotional wall is like, it feels so good. We pick it up, we know what to do with it. Oh, we can hammer anything in, until we come to a screw, and then we're like, ah, just hammer harder. (laughs) I do that one all the time. I know this wall. Some of you in here do too. Never raise your voice, but you use hostility like there's no tomorrow. Use your hammer like there's no tomorrow. You don't ever look to pick up a screwdriver because that would feel uncomfortable in your hands. I don't know how to use that. If it doesn't feel comfortable, then I shouldn't use it. Because that's how we grow. We start learning how to use other tools, we start learning how to let the walls come down and move outside of it. And yes, it's going to feel scary, but that's when you're growing. Don't let the fear drive you back behind the wall because the wall's not getting you what you want. If you don't have relationships in your life, figure out what you're doing to stop it from growing and then just try and start something new. The first thing you try may not work. Try something else. If you're passive-aggressive, just tell them what you want. If you're too aggressive, shut up. That's what I mean. We've got to learn how to pull back. Because if we don't, here's what's happened. Each of us know people in our lives, a grandparent, a parent, a brother. They've gotten so used to being behind those walls and those walls have gotten so thick. By the time they get older, no one gets in. And no one really wants to be around them. Because there's no way to get in. people didn't start out that way. They became that way because they learned how to live behind their walls, stay in their protective zones, and they just let it get bigger and bigger and bigger. That rut becomes wider and wider and wider until they get to a point where it's like, this is all that I know. But If we really want to grow and have the relationships that we want, we got to try something new, even though it's going to feel uncomfortable. And then... The last one is just be in process. This is hard work. This is not easy. This just doesn't happen overnight. Think about a diet. How many of you tried being on a diet? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> We've all tried it, okay? And it works for a little while until it's somebody's birthday, until it's a vacation, until they bring out the margaritas and the hot sauce. <laughs> and then you crumble. And you go, I can't do this. This is no good. No. You just revert back to an old habit. Okay. Try the new habit tomorrow. You're in process. It's a lifelong thing. When you get to a situation and that wall goes up that you're so used to, it's going to. It's your natural reaction. You don't have to think about it. Don't beat yourself up and say, this is never going to work. Just say, okay, next time, maybe maybe I'll succeed. God, help me to not let that wall go up. But just be in, process. Tearing down walls is a life-long job. And it doesn't happen overnight. And so if we think we're going to just turn that defense mechanism off, we're lying to ourselves. But once we know what we're doing, we start trying something new, and it starts to work a little bit. Give yourself a little patience. Don't beat yourself up got a couple of questions that I want you to think about this week. If you want to, um, you can text in to BF services. If you're already have texted into this, you'll get these questions. Uh, but just to help you kind of process through and think through them. Um, what emotional walls do you use for defense? Take a little time this week and think about it. How are your emotional walls affecting your relationships? Especially that relationship that used to be close and that's not so close anymore. And then how are your emotional walls affecting your relationship with God? Because if you have an emotional wall here, you use that same emotional wall here. It's probably getting in your way. Just take some time. Think about it. You can text those in. You'll get text to you later on. Just have them there to think about. Because we've got to figure out how to get out of this trap that we're in of thinking that we're protecting ourselves. Because our emotional walls have stopped becoming protections and they become Prisons. They've stopped being a place of safety, and they're now a place of captivity. And that's no way to live. Guys, I wanna to talk to you for just a second in the room. And the reason why I wanna to talk to you, ladies, you can listen along. The reason why I wanna talk to you is because we are um, not that relationally intelligent, okay? I mean that with all due respect. We're tasked over people all day long. We don't mean to be that way, it's just how we've learned how to be successful. We get up each morning, and there's a to-do list. And we're successful if we knock out that to-do list. And guess what? Relationships get in our way, if we're really honest. And so you may be sitting there going, this is important, Sean. Relationships are important. I believe in relationships. But what's urgent is my to-do list. What urgent is what I've got to get done. And I get it. But guess what? That's a wall called busy. And men, we love this wall. This wall's given us success. This wall's given us prestige. This wall protects us. If we don't think we have this wall, when somebody asks, how are things going, what's your first response? Just busy. We say it all the time. We don't even think about it. It's a knee-jerk reaction. But here's the problem with busy. Busy's a liar busy says to us, if we will accomplish these things, if this project can just get over, if this emergency can just get taken care of, then I'm going to buy back time for my relationships. I've come to learn from wiser men than me that we're not immortal, gentlemen. And you don't get to buy time. There's nothing you can do to buy time. And it's just a lie. Because there's another project waiting in the wings. There's another emergency that's coming down the pike. And there's another opportunity that I need to take of now so that we can have later. It just is. And the reason we do this, guys, is because we believe we have all the time in the world to work on our relationships. Scripture tells us we're to number our days, number them, so that our hearts can have wisdom. Jesus says, no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And I'm going to tell you this, gentlemen, when you start looking at how your busy schedule is getting in the way of this, it's going to feel like you're laying down your life. It really will feel like you're going against the grain of everything you've been wired to do. But Cain built up walls out of fear. Jesus tore down walls out of love. Which one had the better life? Which one? Which is the life that you want? which is the life you want with your family, with your friends, with your closest relationships. So I encourage you just to figure it out because this is what I know. I know this. And if you've ever walked into a doctor's office with a loved one or with yourself and the doctor says the word cancer, what was important but wasn't urgent becomes urgent. Our relationships all of a sudden drastically get changed when emergencies show up it's amazing how urgent our relationships become so let's stop waiting for emergencies because some of us don't have enough time to mend the relationships we keep putting off so all of us What would happen if that friend that you no longer are close with because of something that happened sometime, what if you just called them? What if you just called them and checked in and see how they were doing? Or what about this? Maybe you're not estranged from them, but whenever you talk to this friend or any friend, it's all about Instagram. And I don't mean by the thing, I mean I'm presenting you the highlights of my life. That highlight ain't real. I got stuff that I'm dealing with. What if you're open and you just told them? What would happen? What would happen, parents, especially those of you who have older kids? What would happen if you just called your kid? I don't know. I know the reasons not to do it. Same reasons I have. I don't want to interrupt them I don't want to, you know. They'll call me when they need me. You know what they're saying on the other side? I almost didn't call mom and dad. Why don't they call me? What would happen if you just picked the phone and called them? What would happen in your relationship if you went home to your spouse and you put down your phone and you just said, "Hey, how are you doing?" In this stage of life that we're in right now, how are you doing? and just listened. What then would happen if you really told them how you were doing in this stage of life? I don't know, guys. I don't know. But I do know this. The walls, emotional walls that we're putting up for protection in our life, We're dying in our culture right now because we don't have good, real, true relationships that we can depend on. And they're worth fighting for. We gotta come out from behind our walls. Truthfully, there is something there that doesn't love a wall.